Welcome to Life of the School, episode 94. My name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher at Acton Boxborough Regional High School in Acton, Massachusetts. Each episode of Life at the School, I like to sit down and talk to a fellow life science teacher and ask them how they get in the classroom, what are they currently working on, and what are their hopes for the future. This episode, I sit down with Aubrey Mikus. Aubrey is a science teacher at Ottawa Township High School in Ottawa, Illinois, where she has been teaching since 2017. Since entering the classroom in 2009, she's taught a variety of science courses, including ninth grade biology, astronomy, and anatomy and physiology. Aubrey has been very involved with the online planting science program. Aubrey has presented at both state and national conferences about how to help students explore authentic research using the planting science platform and resources. Aubrey shares her thoughts on teaching on her blog, Refuse to Reinvent the Wheel. Welcome, Aubrey. Hi, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, nice to talk to you again. Um, this is a uh, a delayed recording. We were we were all queued up yeah. uh, to record in late March. Um, <laughs> we actually got on a call and just like said, uh, "What are we doing now?" Um, but we not, we didn't record an episode a few weeks ago. I think everyone will understand why. Yeah, life's changed a bit in the last month. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll get into that. But uh, how you been doing the last few weeks as you've been uh, adjusting to the new the new sequence for you? Good. I feel like we're getting into a little bit of rhythm here. It was, um, you know, a little bit of a learning curve and we're still getting there, but finally starting to get my rhythm back a little bit, I think. Yeah, I was I was on a call with um, my students. I was actually a call with a student yesterday who's like a super high functioning student who um, you know, expects so much of, of herself all of the time. And um, she was kind of like, like I'm trying to apologize about something taking like an extra couple of days here or there. And, you know, it's a, it's an optional project. She's submitting something out. And, and I was like, you got to give yourself a break. Like, like, yeah. you know, you, we're, we're all developing new systems. Things are taking longer than we did. It's like, I'm not upset with you. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. You got to cut yourself some slack. And, and you could hear it with, you know, super type A people, which I have a lot of super type A students yeah. that I deal with, they they put a lot of pressure on themselves. And so I've been working a lot on that framing and talking about like how I've had to learn a lot of new stuff the last few weeks. Um, yeah. like, like my systems, a lot of the systems I had set up that allowed me to be as productive as I am. Um, I realized, oh, wait, this isn't going to work in this fashion anymore now that we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. And it's, it's um, the kind of a, a trick to be able to have a lot of contact, like checking in on the kids without them thinking like they're upset. Same thing. A lot of kids are like, I'm sorry, I didn't get to it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not mad. Like, it's okay. I'm just seeing how you're doing. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good problem to have that, you know, they're concerned. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll get, we'll get into sort of a little bit more of the nitty gritty and sort of what's going on there, um, in there. And I know that you were, uh, we had sort of that social call, uh, where we, I think that that was the perfect example of like sort of the, the shock call. Um, yeah. and I, I know I had, I had that one with you and a couple of other, your teacher friends out in Illinois. I had it with a group of other biology teachers, uh, that night. And I, I will say I probably, there's a couple of teachers who I occasionally text with who I have been texting with like almost every single day. Um, um, like back Back and forth, like five, like five times the amount of texting that I normally do with some of my friends around either the building or around the country. Like 
it's gone way, way up with a handful of them where like that, that social interaction that you usually feed off of in the building uh, is just gone and we're, we're having to make it up in other ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into like the what's going on distance learning why was I, I'm going to go to actual questions I normally like to ask people to start, you know, when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, which is, uh, how did you become a science teacher? What, what led you into the classroom? Yeah. So, uh, I think it's kind of interesting, you know, I listen to your podcast and a lot of people say like, you know, I, I didn't start out wanting to be a teacher. Um, and that's true for me as well, but I also did not intend to do anything related to science. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, it's funny thinking back, uh, Growing up, my grandfather had always said to me, you're going to be a teacher. And, you know, of course, he thought I was going to be a PE teacher because I'm a female athlete. So, you know, that's the only logical <laughs> career path, right? But um, he always, you know, was convinced that I was going to be a teacher and it just was not on, um, you know, my goal sheet growing up. But um, I left high school pretty unsure of what I wanted to do. Um, I had been good at science, but it, it just wasn't something I considered for whatever reason. I'm not real sure why. Um, and I almost wish looking back on it that someone had told me like, just go in as undecided, like that that's okay. <laughs> and it's something I really try and stress with my students now because, you know, you don't really know a lot of times what you want to do, but I felt that pressure of you have to pick a major. And that led me to change my major several times. <laughs> um, and so I left high school and I uh, first went to a small private school uh, in Wisconsin, and um, I started out as an English major. I think uh, English. Oh, I think I wanted to teach English because I like reading and writing. Um, okay. And I wasn't sure what else you do with an English major. Uh, so I started that path and quickly learned that was not where I wanted to be. Um, and then decided, you know, okay, the sports thing, and I was interested in anatomy. So I uh, changed over to being an athletic training major, um, and did that for a semester. <laughs> And then um, a lot of things happened and just decided it wasn't the right major. It wasn't the right school, just wasn't fitting what was going on with my life. Um, so I decided I was going to transfer to Northern Illinois uh, University and be a physical therapy major. Um, and in the meantime, in that summer between um, me, me transferring, um, the community college just down the road from Northern uh, needed a pitcher. And that's what I was. And so they offered me a uh, full tuition scholarship to go there. And so I did that. So I went and played community college softball for a year and then um, went to Northern after that. So I did go in as a physical therapy major. Um, I did, you know, and the way their program worked was you started your master's degree, your senior year of undergrad. So I was, you know, kind of double dipping there. Um, so I was doing all the, the biology and the physics and the anatomy and the micro and all that. Um, and then actually started the physical therapy program. And again, once I got in there, I said like, oh, this, this isn't what I want to do either. Um, and by that point, it was, you know, my senior year of college and my parents were like, you've got to come into something. Um, and so at the time uh, when that happened, I was coaching high school softball. Um, and so I said, you know, I, I really like working with these high school kids. I think I do a good job of being able to instruct and um, you know, kind of lead this group of teenagers. Uh, so maybe, maybe I want to teach. Um, and so, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what is it that I would want to teach? Um, I actually ended up getting my degree in health education. Um, so I didn't want to be a PE teacher, but I really loved 
the human aspect of all the science stuff. You know, I guess that was kind of the, the thread through all of it, the athletic training and the physical therapy. I really loved health and nutrition and physiology and all of that. Um, so I went and uh, finished my degree with health education, um, thinking I was going to be this like standout health teacher with a really strong science background. <laughs> um, and then when I started applying for jobs, what I found was that no one wanted to hire a health teacher without a PE endorsement. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that didn't work. But um, I had my minor in biology because of all the classes I had taken. And um, so I took my science endorsement test in Illinois and I got my biology endorsement um, and I actually graduated in December and then ended up getting a maternity leave job for the spring. And it was for freshman biology. Um, and I just kind of never looked back. Uh, so I guess I've kind of, you know, become the opposite instead of the health teacher with the science background. I've kind of become the science teacher with the health background. Um <laughs> But yeah, and so then uh, I did my first full-time job. I did a year of junior high science and then um, finally got into that high school position, which is where I wanted to be. So I've taught a variety of science classes, uh, mostly in the life science, but um, went on and got my master's from University of Illinois in teaching biology. So I do have that bio degree now. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like a real biology teacher. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's how I got here. It's really funny because you, you were saying that about the health and I was like, I, I don't, I just don't know of a lot of schools that have people who are just certified health teachers. Like that's, right. I mean, that's not how my school does it. In fact, somebody no. was, somebody, uh, one of my friends who teaches in Kansas was actually just saying that that school district has decided that health is going to become part of their bio curriculum and they're going to switch it over and was like suddenly dealing with this. And this is a very veteran biology teacher who was talking about that, who's like, wait, I'm going to teach health now. Like, what? that's not, that's not my background training. So uh, yeah. I, I do think of it, how most places around the country, at least in the U S it's, that's a, a PE teacher's job. Right. And you know, it's, it's funny. I remember having that conversation with my parents <laughs> they were saying like, how are you going to get hired? And I said, no, no, they've assured me, you know, if you look at the big high schools, they have people who just teach health, but you mm -hmm. know, those schools are so few and far between. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, when I've taught, I taught anatomy and physiology, uh, for about eight years. And for me, it was like, that was just what I loved because I could bring in the health. Like I taught all out sex ed and we could do disease and just all these things that like, I had that health background, but I could make sense out of the science too, you know? So it's, it's been this kind of interesting mesh for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, by the way, my first year teaching and I'll, the other, that was the other thing I was thinking about is that, uh, the time and place. And so you're talking about, you know, really, you know, you came in, you know, 12 to 12 to 15 years after sort of the, the real push on ed reform that happened in the early to mid nineties. That's when you were getting your degree was later on than that. And mm -hmm. I got my, my degree, uh, in the mid nineties when the ed reform was just coming about and my first teaching job, I taught health for one of my sections, um, <laughs> in there. And like, you know, I was 22 when I got hired, um, like, you know, barely older than the kids who were in there teaching yeah. sophomores health as one of my sections. And, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, and I am not a, uh, I am not a, an, an anatomy person. Like that is not my, you know, I took, 
a hand. I mean, I took anatomy classes, but I am much more a molecular micro um, person. Like that's just my background. Sure. All yeah. the classes I took, almost every class I took in college, I turned into like a molecular biology type class. <laughs> so yeah. every, every one of my individual projects came twisted towards where I was looking at, you know, enzymes or enzyme kinetics or, or something like that. I had a pretty strong biochem background. So very, very different approach. Um, so I did love talking about, you know, diseases because that's in my wheelhouse but uh the the gross anatomy was not my was not my strong point right yeah uh, i think that's one of the reasons that actually uh, one of the several reasons why like med school didn't really appeal to me um because i found like humans were kind of boring um <laughs> <laughs> i disagree <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like like biologically, like compared to say yeah, you know sure. bacteria or viruses. And if I did if I did go down that route, that's absolutely where I would have gone. I would have gone into like infectious diseases. Like mm -hmm. it would have been down that sort of pathway because um, I do find infectious diseases very curious, but um, not necessarily not so much the humans. Um, yeah. So you you did you talked about transitioning and you've you've done a, a few different things. Um, so I, I'm actually going to move some questions around before we get back into the COVID-19 thing. And I actually want to talk to you a little bit about um, actually the reason that I, I contacted you was that you met, um, I often call him my work husband, um, <laughs> when we were, we were in Chicago. And he's like, oh, you should totally talk to uh, this woman, Aubrey, I met at the planting science uh, presentation because yeah. <laughs> he had gone to your planting science presentation. And uh, you said something that I was shocked by because you said that you knew my podcast, which I don't ever expect anyone I to did, know. You know it was so funny. Um, we so he he did come to my presentation, and then that was at NABT, um, and we went uh, and did the the architecture tour that NABT hosted that night on the Chicago River. Oh, yeah. Which you know was funny because I I live about an hour ish from Chicago, so it was kind of like being a tourist in your own town, which I don't get to do a lot, so it was cool. But um, we we uh, were talking on the tour, and he said that he taught. Um, at your school and I said oh my gosh do you know Aaron Matthew like do you listen to his podcast <laughs> I just kind of fangirled a little bit and like it was funny <laughs> yeah and he probably slumped things like ah oh, yeah I know Aaron because <laughs> yeah. like no literally we are uh, as I said, he is like literally my work husband uh, all the time. Like it is, that's probably the weirdest thing about this distance thing is that I don't have like 10 conversations a day with him because we yeah. talk literally all the time. Um, now I just sent him passive aggressive texts. Like, are you, are you going to finish that document? Um, <laughs> I should put like some hearts in there when I do yeah, it right, from now right. on. Uh, but uh, with, cause it is with love that I send them those things, but yeah. So um, I'm curious about this, this person who, you know, you have this background and you're this anatomy and health person. Um, but literally you are uh, very active in the plantingscience.org group and I, you know, you yeah. have a page for your class to enter data. I don't know if that's actually happening this year or what that's there, but I'm curious how you got involved. How did the anatomy health background person get involved with a planting science program and, and what it actually looks like when you implement it in your classroom? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting um, because I had such a focused background in anatomy and just like human, every, everything biology wise in my education was related to humans. Um, and so when I started teaching, it was, you know, okay, you got to teach photosynthesis and cellular respiration. And I was like, okay, well, here's what the textbook says about it, guys, you know, like, it just was not my wheelhouse. Um, and so after I'd been teaching for a few years, um, 
I'm, I'm kind of a PD addict, you know, so <laughs> I, uh, the, the first couple science teachers I worked with were really big on going to conferences, you know, the Illinois State Science Conferences, I, I love it. Um, and so we were going to that, and then um, shortly after that, I applied for uh, this life science teacher, I'm going to screw it up, life science teacher resource center. Um, and it was this online program that you worked with teachers and did a fellowship. I did that for a couple of years. And then um, they, that group flew me down to Orlando um, to do like a focus group because they were kind of revamping their website and everything. Um, and that was really my first experience working with teachers outside of my school, like in person and just sitting in a room for two days and talking about teaching. Um, mm. And I, I call it my gateway drug, PD. Because I was just hooked. Like, it was just, I mean, you know how it is when you are in kind of that zone of, of a workshop. Um, and it was so great. And not to mention, it, they paid for it. <laughs> so, you know, they yeah. flew me to Orlando in January, and, and it was great. And so then I was like, okay, how do I do more of this? Um, and then I did a program at the CDC called the Science Ambassador. I did mm -hmm. that the following summer. Um, and then you came back from that and was like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Um, and so I kind of was thinking about like, well, what do I need? What am I missing? Um, and that's where I stumbled upon, you know, this photosynthesis. So um, I can't even remember how I found out about it at this point, but it was actually through the BSCS. Um, and they, I don't know if someone emailed it to me or something, but they were doing this pilot uh, curriculum study for this website called Planting Science. And what they wanted to do was... Um, fly us out to Colorado, uh, Colorado Springs, which is the mm -hmm. BSCS offices. And um, they were going to train us to use this curriculum and then send us back to our classrooms. We we're going to use it for a year, pre and post test, whatever. Um, and so for me, I thought like that sounded great. And, and you know, again, they were going to pay for all of my expenses and everything, uh, which for a teacher is <laughs> kind of wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went out there kind of not knowing what I was getting myself into. I just thought like, okay, they're going to teach me how to teach this. Um, and um, so I got out there and it was me. There was a group of 30 teachers from around the country. Um, and then each, so I think they had us in groups of five, I want to say. Um, and each group had their own botanists, like working scientists that kind of worked with us. Um, and we basically acted like the website does in person. So we went through all of the labs and we talked about kind of the science behind how we were teaching. And so, you know, this was, um, let me think, 2016, maybe, I think 2016. Um, so we were, you know, really in that push to, to move to the NGSS, kind of that more way of thinking where it's more student-centered, it's more inquiry. Um, and, and this idea of asking the questions instead of giving them the answers. So we really... Um, went through all of that, and then um, when I came back, like I said, I had this pilot that in my class. And the nice thing about it, um, at the time, the school I was teaching at was real small, and so I was the only biology teacher. So I literally mm. could, you know, <laughs> I had to do whatever I wanted. So it wasn't like I had to worry about another teacher where we had to align or anything. Um, and so I started using it, and it's kind of the rest is history. You know, it's just I've I've loved it, and I love what I get out of it. So um, the way that it works, so I use their module, it's called the Power of Sunlight, and that's the photosynthesis and cellular respiration module. Um, but they have a bunch of other ones. Um, 
So I think that's kind of my summer goal is I want to pick a couple, you know, really dive into a couple other ones. But um, basically what, uh, and they send you everything, you know, they give you all the like videos and all the student worksheets and um, they send you lab supplies and everything for free, which again is amazing. Wow. Um, but uh, basically the module that I use, you walk through, um, you start with the idea, you show them like uh, a redwood tree and then a seed from a redwood tree. And you get the kids to start thinking about the idea of where does this gigantic tree come from, right? And so, in, you know, instead of just saying like, this is photosynthesis and it makes glucose, you know, you're, you're getting them to that and it blows their mind that it comes from air. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that can't be air. And they're telling you things like, well, the sunlight has mass. It's getting mass from the sunlight. And to not say like, nope, that's wrong <laughs> is tricky. But, you know, now that I've been doing it for quite a few years, they say the same misconceptions every year. And so now I get excited. Like, you know, this year, now I'm teaching in a much bigger school. There's five biology teachers and they all got on board this year and we're using it for the first time. And I walked out in the hall and I was like, they did it again, you guys. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm excited when they, you know, say these, these things. But um, so you walk them through kind of what they call these thought experiments. You look at von Helmont and stuff like that. Um, and then they do the floating disc lab with the spinach leaves. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of fun. You know, my classroom, I kind of call myself organized chaos. Like, I like a mess. Because, uh, you know, it means we're doing something, you know, yep. but um, and I know not everyone's comfortable with that. But, um, you know, there's there's water on the desks and spinach all over the place. I love it. Uh, but every single one of my kids will be engaged. Like I never have to, you know, they're just they have these syringes with the spinach, like two inches from their face. And they're just they get into it. You know, they name their leads. It's so goofy. Um, but they do that floating disc lab and then, uh, we compare data as a class and we try and figure out like why we're getting, you know, looking for patterns and why didn't every group get the same results and stuff like that. Um, and then they do, um, their own inquiry lab. So they do the follow-up, um, where they have to change a variable. And what's tricky about that is they have to make it real world relevant. So every single year I get kids who say, like, we want to put them in pop instead of water. Um, you know, we want to put them in the dark. Like, well, why would you do that? You know, like, we, we know plants aren't going to grow in the dark. You know, we know this stuff. Um, so getting them to think about how the world is changing is really nice. But so while I'm doing all of that in my classroom, um, they're also working on the planting science website. So essentially what happens on the website is I put my students in teams. So that's their lab groups. And then each group has their own team page where they each have their own scientist. So um, behind the scenes, it's myself and then um, what they call a scientist liaison. Um, and so basically I'm in charge of the students and the liaison is in charge of the scientists. And so they have hundreds of scientists from all over the world uh, who volunteer to, to mentor these students. And so each team has their own scientist and they basically have a message board um, and they can, you know, I, I always start them off by like, just introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you like to study? What do you like to do outside of school? And then they talk back and forth. And it's so funny because they'll tell me things, um, you know, I, I love hearing, especially for some reason, the female scientists, um, mm -hmm. the, 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 I'll hear like, oh, she's so pretty. I'm like, well, why wouldn't she be? Like, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, or I'll hear like, oh, he has a dog too. You know, it just 
things that they they really don't realize that scientists are just people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but so getting them to interact and like, oh, they're young people, and oh, that guy plays a guitar. And this year we had um, one of the mentors, one of the scientists. Uh, he his profile picture was him in a kilt, um, but with like a bass guitar, like rocking out. And the mm -hmm. kids were just so intrigued. Like, this was just like, well, why is he in a kilt? But he doesn't have a bagpipe. And, like, it just, it was <laughs> so funny. And so, um, you know, I always say it, it's like trading cards. Like, well, who do you have? And here's who I have. And they love working with the scientists. And so um, the whole time they're doing these labs and they're designing their labs, they're talking about it with their scientists. Um, and so, you know, the scientists might not say anything different than I would. Sometimes they certainly do. but it, it, for, it holds more weight coming from, you know, a working scientist, right? It's the same you hear about parents like, well, I told them that, but when their friend says it, now they believe it. It's kind of the same thing. Um, and so just the quality of work I get is so great out of them. And, um, you know, they, it, it's funny at the end, we wrap up the labs. Um, and then I tell them like, okay, we're done. Like, you know, your scientists are volunteering for free. Make sure you go on and thank them and all this and that. And and they're like, well, what do you mean we're done? Like, we're still doing science. Why aren't they going to stay with us? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so they, they get attached. Um, so this year was a little bit different, obviously, um, with being out of school. That landed us right towards the end of the lab. So we did get to do most of it um, mm -hmm. with their scientists. But this year was a, was a little bit different. But um, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell. So it, the, the website part of it is where the kids are interacting back and forth with the scientists. Um, but I'm doing all the curriculum in my classroom. Wow. So, so you've got me excited. I, I am, you know, I, I am a junkie of these. It's interesting. Cause like you listen to all of these different things and it's like, you know, our summers were like, it would have been an interesting map of the U S with the two of us, like flying over each other and back <laughs> Probably, and forth. And yeah. I was flying to Florida when you were going to Orlando and I was flying to Milwaukee when you were flying to Colorado, like we right. were zipping all over the place, but um, yeah. <laughs> we could do the tracking of, uh, cause I am somebody who, uh, you know, has, uh, I, I refer, refer to myself sometimes as an outreach whore. Like somebody's yeah. got an outreach. I'm like, Oh, you've got lab supplies for me. I will be happy to get on a plane yes. and fly out and see yeah. your stuff. And you so. know what's funny? I, I joke now about like, okay, what state haven't I been to? Like that's where I want to look for PD this summer. Like, okay, okay. I was out in Connecticut a few years ago and they said, why are you going there? And I was like, well, I've never been to Connecticut. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I have done similar things. For me, a lot of times it's just like, I, it's like a friend of a friend of a friend kind of deal. Sure. Like, yeah. like, oh, my friends are running this thing down here. Oh, my friend said this is a pretty cool thing. So I'm going to go try and honestly, that. That's like, for me, the best part of every single one. Like, I have so many teachers now who, around the country that I just, I don't know, it like almost makes me emotional to think about like all the people I've met at all these different programs that um, it's just really cool to get to meet such awesome teachers oh. from all over the country. Yeah. It's, it's as opposed to the same, like, you know, you, um, how many times can you go in and go to a conference with Jason Crean? I mean, he's got to get boring after a while. <laughs> I, I assume, 
I love Jason. Jason's like, I was going to say, I, I could do some more. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. No, I, have, I have pretty, I have pretty good roots in Illinois, but I love Jason. Yeah. Like I, yeah. the thing I love about Jason is like, I think of myself as a very constructivist educator. And then I have a conversation with Jason and I'm like, Nope, I'm not far enough. He is the most constructivist, <laughs> but like, like Maybe I'm one like, of the busiest people I've ever met. Oh yeah. But, awesome. Yeah, love, just, love. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely love Jason. Um, but, but going back to it. So like, you've got me excited. I do the floating list disc lab. Uh, we officially moved it. It used to be one of our AP labs. We gave it up. And so now it's our, our first year bio lab. And so I'm totally on board. Is it like as simple as I just go on this website and I sign up or do yeah. I need to do PD first or like, what no. is it? How, how do I get myself involved? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's super simple. You go on their website. So it's plantingscience.org. Um, mm -hmm. And then it says, I'm trying to think off some head, it says like teacher resources or teacher roadmap or something like that. But um, you click on it and you scroll through and you sign up. And that basically just means um, you have to pick which module you want to use. So I think they have 10 right now. Um, but you pick which one you want to use and you have to pick uh, like how many teams you're going to work with. So how many student teams, mm -hmm. um, because they have to know like in terms of sending out lab supplies and stuff like that. Um, and then... Um, the other kind of trick to it is watching the dates. So like if you want to use it in the fall, the, the sign up deadline is usually like early August. Um, mm. And then for the spring semester, it's like early January because um, there's only certain windows that the like the scientist student part of the website is up and running um, because their scientists obviously are only available for so much time um, But you yeah. know, they're not available like all the time. So um yeah, but, but it's really pretty simple. And the nice thing now, so now I've been working with these guys, and um, when I started presenting at conferences, I've presented on a lot of different things, but I was felt like I was kind of out of stuff. Um, I was like, what else can I, I really I like presenting. I like, I like getting discounts to conferences. So, you know, what else can I present on? And I thought, okay, I could do planting science. Um, and I emailed the, the Jody, the girl who runs it. She's awesome. And I said, you know, would you mind if I presented on this? And they were totally on board with it. Um, and they, you know, sent me some flyers and stuff to give to people. Um, and then they actually supported me to go out to NABC last year. Um, they said, you know, we're going to present. Would you mind presenting with us? And um, so I did that. But um, they've also been really receptive to any feedback um, that teachers, you know, myself and other teachers have given them. So recently they took all their modules and I told them, um, I really think it'd be helpful if you put the NGSS standards like the numbers just stick them right there i said because i can't tell you how many times i've googled like ls1-2 or whatever you know um <laughs> yeah. if i'm like man it, it, we're rewriting all the curriculum in my school i'm like we just need something for this i just literally google you know the ngss stuff so they they just put all that in there so i think that makes it a little bit easier to figure out what you want to use um and, and there, there is i would say probably a little bit of a learning curve um to the website, but they do a really good job of sending out like, um, you know, instruction materials. And again, I can't say enough about how great the Jody, the girl that runs it is like, anytime you have a question, if you're just like, I am lost and cannot figure out what the heck I'm doing. She will email you back like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they have also, um, like they've asked me a couple times to, um, like, you know, we've got a teacher who's just kind of struggling. Do you mind if she emails you questions? And I always say, yeah, sure. Um, so they, they want to help. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty simple. <laughs> 
Nice. Yeah. I've been, uh, as I said, we, we've definitely moved to that module this year of, of this. And you also, when you were talking, it reminded me of, do you ever see the Harvard, uh, yeah. graduation <laughs> video where they ask the, yeah. they give, they have this big lock of wood and they hand it to the Harvard graduates. It's now very dated. It's probably 25 years old, but they, they go yeah. to Harvard graduates and they say, where's the mass of this tree come from? And they hand it to them and they're, they all, you know, just like you're saying, well, the mass comes from the light or it comes from the water. And they say all the same misconceptions that your students go through. Right. Um, and I didn't use that this year and I've used it in the past. And as you were talking, I was like, you're hundred percent right. I need to bake that into that activity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And, um, like I said, this was the first year that the other teachers at my school, um, they didn't use the website part, but they used the curriculum. So we hmm. kind of baby stepped in this year. They used all the curriculum and then next year we're going to jump in with the online part. Um, so they kind of watched as I was doing the online part, they were watching. So, you know, kind of next year they'll know what they're doing. Um, but it was funny. I, I went in on my prep period and was kind of helping out with the other teachers because they had never done the floating disc lab before. Um, and it, it's so funny to see, you know, when the kids say things like that, it's so easy to say like, no, that's not right. Or, oh, well, you know, the giving them is... the answers. Right. Yeah. Um, and and the other thing is, too, it takes more time, right, to not give them the answer. So, I mean, we have – I will spend two or three class periods going through, like, well, could it come from the air? And they just go back and forth. And, well, could it come from light? And they go back and forth. And it's, it is time-consuming, but it actually makes them think. Like, the kids actually have to think, like, why do I think that's the answer? And does that make any sense when I actually think about it um, and giving them kind of that time and that space to process it? And that's all stuff that I learned, um, like I said, when, when Planting Science threw me out there. So, um, you know, it's, it's really been a really valuable program for me. I can't say enough about them. Yeah, but you're you're talking about it also the the sort of the comfort in the the chaos of a classroom, um, and I, I there definitely is I can imagine um, because you work in a building and I work in a building there are people who are super comfortable with like you know making things a mess and sort of cleaning it up as they go and there's other yeah. people who are very much type a we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and we're gonna test on this date and we're gonna follow this pattern and people have different strengths and weaknesses and some people really don't like uncertainty and chaos. Um, and so I, I have learned a lot about how to, um, because I am, I am like a chaos agent um, in my building. Um, (laughs) I am somebody who's very much comfortable there, but at the same time, I'm also somebody who's a veteran. Um, and I, I, I became aware like unintentionally of like my, disproportionate weight like if i come in and i say something is good or bad it it, it i i push conversation sometimes like sure. like because i've been there so long and i've done all these and i'm one of the ap teachers and like you know i have a certain you know you you earn gravity over time when you're working there um yeah but at the same time like i don't want to do that as an educator the same way I don't want to do that as a teacher. Like I don't want to do that to my colleagues just like I don't want to do it to my students. Right. So I need to respect how other people approach curriculum and 
find ways of finding common ground where they can see strengths and weaknesses there. There's, there's no good coming in. Just sort of, I like the way you described it. Like they weren't ready to do the website. So we said, I'm going to do the website and they're going to follow along and they're going to learn, but they were willing to do this other thing. And I thought that's a great example of sort of a collaboratively building capacity within a group of teachers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been really interesting. And that was one of the big reasons I switched schools. Um, you know, the first eight years of my career, I was the only, I was half the science department. So I was the only biology teacher. <laughs> um, and it, my room was just always like, I'm sure for anyone who walked in, it was a mess, you know, but there was just stuff going on everywhere. But I was the only one in there and I could do what I needed to do. Um, and now when I switched, the reason I, big reason I switched was I needed that collaboration. Like I, you know, I, we describe a lot that like I change a lot of things from year to year and that's exhausting to do by yourself. And so I wanted hmm. other teachers to work with. Um, but that's definitely a give and take, you know, it's, it's now we share classrooms. And so like I can't just leave projects all over the place and, um, you know, we're, we've completely blown up and redone our biology curriculum in the last two years. And to take five teachers who really were pretty different in terms of where we're at in our careers and our teaching styles and stuff like that. Um, and the five of us have just completely designed this curriculum. And I think it's, it's been really interesting to see how, like, we're going to take pieces of what I'm kind of comfortable with and pieces of what other people are comfortable with and, and what our strengths are. And we've all had to work together to put that together. So it's, it's definitely interesting to see how that collaboration works in a building. Yeah. yeah it is also, um, I think people undervalue, undervalue the nature of like building trust within a group. Um, I can actually remember. So for years, uh, it was myself and, and Brian, who you met, um, and another teacher uh, who's actually now one of our, our deans at the building. And the three of us were the honors bio teachers, like for more than a decade. Um, and collaboratively, like right now, if you look at the three of us, I mean, we have, you know, like 80 years of classroom experience between the yeah. between the group of like we're like ridiculous you know kind of thing uh but you know 75 years between the group of us but the fact is is that we all we we had a lot of you know and he and fred was the ap and bio teacher and brian and i were the two ap bio teachers and we had the ability we worked together starting in 2000 we started working together and so we had years of developing relationships and developing trust and learning how good each other was and respect you know developing respect and and mm -hmm. doing that and and so when new people would come in, I, I remember having a new principal come in and asking, like, how is it that you guys can work this way? And I was like, well, you don't do that overnight. Like, you know, for the first three years yeah. I worked with Brian, I just yelled at him like every day. <laughs> like, what's your, like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? Because we're so different. We're like so fundamentally different. And I mean, yeah. we were also, you know, he was in his early 30s and I was in my early, you know, my mid 20s. And um I was not nearly as mellow as I am today. Um, <laughs> as much as I have an intense edge now, like I was a, you know, I was 20 years ago, I was a hot mess in terms of right. like, I had no patience whatsoever for, for difference. But the reality is we came at curriculum in a very different way, but that can be either a strength or it can be like really stressful. Yeah, um, and, and I don't know that like when I listen to how, you know, like, oh, we're going to start working on this and we're going to do that. You can sometimes understand, like when you see a group who 
who doesn't know each other very well try to build that. Sometimes it's easy. If you're very lucky, you get a group of people who, you know, all come to it with the right spirit and that sort of stuff. But I've also watched groups who try to do that and it doesn't come off because like they're trying to build something, but they don't know each other very well and they don't trust mm -hmm. each other and they're they've been thrown in this curriculum. So I always find it interesting to hear how people work out those details as they try to learn to work together. <laughs> Yeah, and it was interesting when I started there three years ago, um, it was this weird dynamic of like, I'm the new teacher to this building, but I'm not a new teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, wanting to contribute and wanting to, you know, add my ideas and kind of add my spice, if you will, um, but not wanting to step on toes, because like you said, there's that kind of established, we're the group, um, and I don't want to come in and like, just blow it all up, but like, I want to add my part too, you know? So, um, and, and again, I think it's gone. If, if you would have told us that the five of us were going to work together and do this, cause we're five very different people. Um, I think some other teachers in the building might've said like, Oh man, like, but it's, it's really gone really well. And I'm, I'm very happy with what we've come up with. Yeah. I'm actually now uh, our honors biology team is currently five teachers um, and everything from a, relatively new to the career, you know, in the first couple mm -hmm. of years of her career uh, to somebody who's, you know, 15 year veteran um, and then three people who are 20 plus year veterans in there. Um, and I, I, I will say that now having gone through a few different curriculum revisions and working in a few different curriculum teams, I have been very mindful. And I think other people, again, knowing people's strengths, there are people in the group who are I think naturally more mindful and we're ahead of me on this curve in terms of mindful collaboration, trying to make space for everybody within the team. Um, and only through having not done it as elegantly in the past, have I learned <laughs> how to do it better. Um, that's something I had to grow as a professional to find how to make space to bring in a collaborative group in there. Um, and it may be that you have just enough of a mix of people who are willing to try that, that it, it worked out to be positively. So. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting at first. I think there was some hesitation, but because, um, like you said, I think there were you know some bad experiences in the past and stuff like that. But we made it work. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to like now, like how does it going? Like so, yeah. I mean, I uh, what is what's going on in terms of distance learning for you? We're we're recording this on April twenty second. It's going to come out in a little less than two weeks from now. But like, how has it been? Both like dealing with your students and also how do you collaborate with colleagues um, in this space? So I guess let's start with like, what's going on in your school? Like what are your rules in this wild west of distance learning that we're, we're now all experiencing? Yeah. So um, when this comes out, we will still be out of school. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Illinois has uh, closed the schools through the end of the year. So um, we will not be returning to the building. Um, hopefully in August we'll be there, but um it was interesting when it when it started. Uh, so we our last day was March 16th, um, and it was kind of a rough start for us. So I'm not in a one-to-one -one school. A lot of our students don't have you know good technology at home or even you know good Wi-Fi at home. Um, mm -hmm. And but what was weird was that was the week before spring break, and we have uh, what's called Fine Arts Fest that week. So basically, we run different fine arts presentations uh, the last three days of the week. So. I really was only missing like one day of class um, mm. from that week. So that wasn't a huge deal. And then we were into spring break. So, and at that point, 
um, we were only supposed to be closed for two weeks. I think we all <laughs> anticipated it would be longer, but they told us, you know, two weeks, you know, plan for two weeks. So, um, you know, I didn't have a huge plan. I just kind of gave them a study guide and said, you know, we'll, we'll talk more later. Um, and what I quickly realized was that it, it was so weird. Like I was cut off from the kids and the kids were cut off from me. And I kept seeing, you know, on social media, all these other teachers who were like instantly doing, you know, 12 Google Hangouts a day and, and <laughs> all this and that. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm not doing my kids justice. And that first week was really kind of an emotional roller coaster. Um, but what I decided to do was like, I'm going to move forward, even if that's not what my school is. They didn't tell us not to, but they, um, they certainly didn't tell us to do that. Uh, and so I, um, texted my honors kids. I sent them a text and said, Hey, um, we're not a Google school. We use Microsoft. So you can meet through Microsoft teams, which is kind of the Google classroom equivalent. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I texted the, just, you know, sent out on remind to the honors kids, like anyone want to try this meeting thing on teams thinking I was going to get like two kids that were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And just instantly my phone was blowing up and they were like, oh my gosh, that sounds fun. I can't wait. When are we doing this? I was like, oh my goodness. So, um, we figured out, we got on there and we played around with it for a couple of hours and it was just, and this was the first week, you know? And they were all just so like telling me they were so bored and, you know, when is this going to be over <laughs> and all this and that. And they had a million questions that I didn't have answers for. Um, but it was like, okay, let's, let's do this. Like, let's just keep learning. Um, and so we, um, what we ended up doing, uh, then the governor closed the schools through the end of April. So at that point, um, the state said you have to have some sort of remote learning. And so what my school did uh, is we are using an online program called Apex, which we had already been using for our credit recovery students. Um, so, you know, like if you failed the class, you took it online. Yeah. Um, and so for any class that Apex has, like, you know, the Apex has a biology class. So I now have Apex biology. Um, but it's basically just, you know, kind of notes and then quizzes. Um, and so I was not real on board with it at first because I kind of felt like, my class was being taken away from me. Yeah. Um, but I very quickly realized that like I can use this and, and we were told right up front, you know, you can still supplement with whatever you want. Um, and we figured out, you know, you can pick and choose which units you want. Um, so I was able to, um, you know, kind of make that work. And then the five biology teachers in my school, we got together on a Google hangout and we went through the material and said, okay, we want to use this unit and this unit. Um, so that was nice where at least the five of us, uh, you know, we're all kind of supplementing differently, but we're all using at least the same content, you know. Um, so we're using this online program and then, um, you know, I've been using Flipgrid uh, mm -hmm. to do assessments because I feel like I, with the online program, I'm, I said, well, how do I know it's them taking the quizzes? Uh, so with Flipgrid, I see them and I hear them and I know it's you giving me the answer. And so basically I've put like my short answer test questions on there. Um, you know, so I'm kind of using that as the assessment. Um, and they've been doing some activities. I actually last week gave them like a, a lab. Um, I turned it into a PowerPoint, but I gave them all the data and then just had them do the analysis part. So we've been doing things like that. Um, and we've been meeting 
uh, on Teams. We're doing twice a week. Um, I've started bringing in some guest speakers. So yesterday um, we did a Zoom with Steve Brusati, uh, who's a paleontologist, and he's oh, wow. actually an alumni of my school. So <laughs> you know we have all his books and everything. It was it was pretty cool. Um, so we did a, a Zoom with him yesterday, and then we're going to do one next week with Neil Shubin um, from University of Chicago. I know I'm very excited about that. So what's <laughs> what's funny about that is uh, he has a new book out, yeah. and so he's from University of Chicago, and so he was going to be at a book signing out here um, last week, and so I had a field trip that night I was taking we were going to take the school's van. I was going to take, um, you know, seven kids and go meet Neil Shubin and get our book signed. Um, and then that all got canceled. So when it got canceled, I emailed him and I said, you know, we're local and my students were looking forward to coming to meet you. Would you mind doing um, this, you know, meeting with them online <laughs> somehow? And he said, absolutely. When do you want to schedule it? So, um, and he's been awesome. I don't know if you've seen on social media at all. He's meeting with teachers in classrooms all over the place. Um, I got to do, oh, he's awesome. I got to do a uh, zoom with him a couple weeks ago um, with a friend of mine from Florida, actually, uh, who's in like a human evolution teacher group. Oh. And um, so she, same thing. She messaged him and said, we, this group of teachers would love to meet with you. And she knows I'm a big fan. So she uh, texted me and said, Hey, do you want to join us? We're going to talk to Neil Shubin. I said, Oh my gosh. Yes. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I got to meet with him a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, like you said, lots of online collaboration going on with, with people all over the place. But, yeah, with, with the students, just trying to keep them going, you know, and, and tons of contact, trying to, you know, stay. I text them every day through Remind and emailing parents. And I've, I've got a few, um, actually wrote some letters today, a few who I have no way to get a hold of. They're not on my Remind. They don't. Uh, their parents don't have an email on the computer and the students haven't logged in or done anything. And hmm. um, it, it's this hard line to walk of, you know, I'm concerned about you as a human, but like, let's learn too, you know? And it's um, so like, like you said, when you're talking to the kids, kind of, I always start with like, how's everything going? And then we get <laughs> into like, okay, now how's the biology? You know, once I know you're okay and you're safe in your home, now how's the biology? So but yeah, so, that's going to go on through the end of the year. Yeah. So do you have a, like a, a schedule that w where you know to, when you can schedule your, your meetings, your, your, your Zooms or whatever, do you have a, a school like calendar or is it sort of up to you when you want to schedule stuff like that? Um, we don't have an official calendar. So that's been part of the challenge too. Um, so for the, our school has said we have to be available to students basically from nine to three. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's kind of the time we have to respond to emails and texts and stuff like that. Um, but you know, these, these are teenagers. So you're getting messages <laughs> from them at 10 o'clock at night. And sometimes one o'clock and I wake up and my phone has all these messages in the morning, you know? Um, yeah. So what I've been trying to do, you know, obviously I have my email on and everything during the day, but I'm kind of helping my own biological kids do their mm -hmm. schoolwork during the day. Um, if something comes up, I can deal with it. But I've been doing a lot of my student work, um, you know, later in the day. But as far as like scheduling meetings, um, there are a few, we've kind of just organically gotten into a rhythm um, where my classes, I tend to do Tuesday, Thursdays. And again, I usually do in the afternoon because that's when they're awake. 
Um, <laughs> I've tried mornings and I don't get a very good attendance, so afternoons go better. Um, but um, I know like the English and the history teachers have been meeting on Wednesdays. I think we've just kind of all figured out, you know, the kids are pretty good about telling me like, um, you know, next week uh, we have this guest, you know, Neil Shubin coming in and it's going to be a little bit later in the day. And they said, oh, well, the computer teacher is going to meet before that. Is it okay for you? So we kind of hear through the kids and we've talked a little bit, emailed back and forth a little bit as teachers and just kind of, you know, it, it's hard. I'm in a school with 101 teachers, so yeah. there's going to be overlap somewhere. <laughs> But, um, yeah, just kind of trying to be aware of what everyone else is doing. Yeah, my, my other question was uh, in terms of the way you're, you're assessing, um, are you guys still full grades? like, Or have you moved to a, a pass-fail system? Or is it to be determined how, how grade books are going to go? Yeah, so to the best of my knowledge, uh, there have not been any decisions made. Um, well, sort of. So they have told us we cannot um, – we can't drop their grades below what they were on March 16th. So mm -hmm. our last day of school, their grade can't get any lower than it was on that day. Um, but we are putting grades in the grade book. We can do that. And basically, if it drops their grade, we just mark it as a no count. So it doesn't count in the math. But the parents <laughs> can still see, like, they did the assignment. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, we they haven't, you know, as far as, like, what final grades are going to be or, you know, it, not such an issue with my students. Uh, with the honors kids, but, you know, if kids are failing classes, we're not quite sure what that's going to look like. So we haven't heard any decisions on that yet. All right. So just for some contrast, um, yeah, it just did. I mean, you like talk, all the things you were saying, it was laugh. I was just sort of laughing as you're going. So Massachusetts, uh, we are also out for the year. We actually got that notice yesterday. Um, so that was announced. So that was on the 21st, um, which was very interesting. It came out in the morning and I literally had like a, a scheduled call with one of my groups, like right afterwards, like, yeah. <laughs> like I was like, so did you guys hear it? And like, it was actually an optional meeting. Cause we, ha we do have a calendar um, and we are supposed to have, we don't have to meet. We're supposed to have work for our students posted for them to work on 30 minutes a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. Friday is our professional day. Yeah, where I've heard we of have, some districts here doing that. Yeah. yeah, where we either have faculty and or department meetings. Um, and so basically, like, we have a department meeting of all of the biology teachers will meet together. Actually, my department leader has broken it out by subject because nice. even though we're a science department, they're like all the biology teachers get together for a half hour and he checks in with us. He also does like sort of surveys of certain things beforehand to sort of get a hold of where things are. Cool. And then he does a little bit of check in and we do a little bit of share out. Um, it's a lot the same because we work in collaborative teams, but I actually now I had to hear about um, like what the other teachers are doing at the other levels, which is good because I've actually gotten some good ideas. Um, or like this this upcoming Friday, we have a, a all school faculty meeting, um, and now then we have like sort of breakout meetings where you know you'll meet with your collaborative teams of whatever your curriculum groups are that are there, um, and then sometimes committee meetings. So like I'm also on a we are not a one to one district, but we are supposed to be going to one to one. Yeah, we're for, in the same boat for our freshmen for next year, uh, okay. which how they're going to manage to do that if we physically right. can't get in the building uh, yeah. it will be interesting. But I'm on the committee that's looking at it. Um, specifically, I'm looking at it from the like 
professional development side of it. Like how do we help teachers prepare for this? Um, So I'm on the broader committee, but I'm working on the PD side of that for there. So I've like last Friday, like literally I was in more meetings last Friday when I didn't have students than I was any day of the week with students Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was with all these different groups of teachers working through there. So we have a five day work week, but we're not putting that on students to do. Um, And so, and we have a schedule where we have a blue and gold, we have a seven period day um, and we alternate. Normally we'd have seven periods and we alternate blue and gold. So that's sort of how it goes. And I have labs and my labs, like I have my labs meet every other day and we have a rotation and a drop. And our regular schedule is like much more like chaotic, which is fine by me. But um, we basically have Monday and Tuesday, we go A through D on uh, where you can have, if you have an A through D block, you schedule your meetings with your students if you want to do synchronous in the set blocks of time. So you can schedule a meeting between 10 a.m. and 10.50 a.m. for your A block during that block. And then you will have another A block period on Wednesday. And then on Tuesday and Thursday, it's E, F, and G. And then there's like an open block, which you can use for either makeup or extra time or like like it, there's a sort of a sort of a bonus block time that yeah. if you need to like so if you're like let's say you have a doctor's appointment and you can't meet during your able you could tell your a block we're meeting in the bonus time on wednesday and we're gonna have a meeting at that time like you they give us a little flexibility so we have well, that's interesting are you like do you have to like take attendance and so that's funny that's so we our kids aren't like really required to do yeah. any of this which is hard from the teaching standpoint yeah so it's interesting so like we have been taking um the the, the calendar now in our in our power school to take attendance actually now mirrors our new schedule so you okay. can take attendance which yeah. i have then just yeah. for my own mental note because sure. like when they when i get like, an email from a counselor and they're like has so-and-so been coming to class i'm like I don't know. Is is it Tuesday? Like what day is today? Like, <laughs> like, like I don't know what day of the week it is. Like how do I know yeah. if, if how do I know if this one kid came? To, you know, if if right. Chris came to class last night. Like I don't remember that. Like uh, all those things. So I've been taking attendance individually when I have my meetings that way. I usually have some. I have like in front of me on my desk. I have like all of these notes that are like names written down. And but mm-hmm. I I just sort of am taking. I'm a I'm sort of a doodle note taker kind of. Yeah. There. So I've yeah. been taking notes like that as I go. But I've been putting them in there. But every couple of weeks, they do uh, what they call like uh, attendance, where we go in and they ask for like a group attendance, and we go in and for our students, we give like different categories. Are there are they like and their engagement attendance? Oh, wow. Like are they are they attending all of the things and are they engaged? Are they attending but not engaged? Are they turning in? So there's like five categories that we can mark our kids down yeah. and then that way the counselors and the the various other people can follow up and they can sort of see trends and they can filter the data through the yeah, power school nice. so they did that i think they're gonna they did that like a week and a half ago and they're gonna do it again um and so when they do that then you start getting a flood of emails from like counselors and people like that like all right give me some more background and you can mm-hmm. put in notes into it as you go so um We've been doing that, but yeah, we're in the same. So, um, and you, the other thing you said is that like we're go, we were going to be on for two weeks. And as somebody who is like a micro guy, okay. I have been talking to my students about <laughs> COVID 
in my AP classes, I didn't really talk much with my honors kids because they're younger and I just didn't think it's just, I have a, such a different relationship with them. Um, and also they're, you know, I thought it was less developmentally appropriate to be talking about a pending pandemic with them. My AP kids are like my best and brightest. They're like, you know, many of them will be studying biology next yeah. year. Um, and they're going to go home and tell their parents. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we also actually have, um, we have a very heavy Asian population, both Indian okay. and Chinese. So yeah. we have like, like 15 to 20% of our students are, you know, are either first generation American, or in many cases, were born in China. Uh, I actually have one girl who, um, who came to the high school when she was a freshman, I had her in freshman biology. And when she came, like she came from China, she barely spoke English, her English was yeah remarkable for somebody who had never been here she would like translate our notes she was one of my best students i have her in ap biology now she's a remarkable student well her mother was actually in china treating patients just outside of a region outside of uh, of shanghai um in february so wow. it's like i have students who are very heavily connected to this yeah. i had one student who told me that i was downplaying it like that I wasn't taking it like, wow. and I was being pretty blunt about it, but she was like, yeah. no, my parents are more freaked out. And I was like, yeah, um, you know, like I can understand that because I had people who had families and had community, the American Chinese school in Acton is super busy. And I have a huge population that has overlap with that, the Asian community, specifically the Chinese community in our town. Um, I have a very overlap, heavy overlap between that community and my student body. So I had been talking to them like since February pretty regularly about the numbers and the data and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so for me and them, it was like, they said two weeks and the kids were like, so do you think it's going to be two weeks? And I was like, no. And I had the vision of, I don't know if you ever saw the money pit, um, the movie with Tom Hanks and no. uh, Shelley Long, they 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 buy this house and it's a money pit. Like it's got all these things and they go to the contractor and like, well, when that, will that be done? And they say two weeks. And by the end of the, the movie, <laughs> it's, it's like a punchline. So like in my mind, like every time somebody said, oh yeah, we're, we've got this, this, we're going to go on this thing for two weeks. I was just like, in my mind, I saw the, the money pit where the contractors were like two weeks um, every single time. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I, I absolutely remember what you were talking about in terms of the, like looking at what other teachers are doing and all of that sort of stuff. And I kept on, like, it reminded me of that, that quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you like know that, like, like yeah. I was doing these things and I felt like I was trying to serve my students and who they were, but I saw exactly what you're saying. Like people were launching these projects and their kids were analyzing data. And I'm like, uh, my school is telling me not to add any new content, right? Um, at least in those first couple of weeks, or as you were like, you're like on break. And I'm like, like what are you supposed to do so like i felt i definitely felt the the pull between wanting to like be like be awesome <laughs> you know like be that be that awesome person that i think of myself in that classroom but also be like appropriately present for yeah. the kids i have and and i do think that was a i think that's been a very tricky thing that's been going on because it as i said it sort of feels like a wild west of, of what's going on. Um, and, and we still haven't, we still haven't even decided what we're doing for our quarter three grades. Um, similar to what you just said, like we, we sort of locked in Amber grades for quarter three and for us it was March 12th, but we still haven't even decided like what our grading policy is to wrap up quarter three or what we're going to do yeah. for quarter four or second half of the year. So, um, where I think that's coming, I think by the time this episode comes out, I wouldn't be shocked if all of those decisions have been made, but because we've been working through, it's been, it's been a really interesting 
It's been an interesting time and I have never been more grateful that I am not a high school administrator than oh, I have been it? in the last three weeks. Cause there yeah. is, I hate, I mean, like, I don't want to be a high school administrator, but if, if I had ever had any inkling or was on the fence, I will tell you the last five weeks in particular, <laughs> <laughs> like, <Feel that deal. laughs> yeah. So I can just go to my classroom and deal with teenagers all day. Thank you very much. I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> I love it. I know. Yeah. And it, it's, it's been so hard, you know, this differentiation, right. And now it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm now I'm really, not only are we dealing with different academic abilities and different backgrounds, but like just the ways that these kids are dealing with mm. this whole issue, you know, and, for some of my kids, I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, you've completed every single assignment. I And I I feel like I'm putting out like, you know, one, roughly one assignment per day. But I say like, here's what I want you to do for the end of the week, knowing very well that most of them are not going to do it all. But I try to give them lots of different options. You want to take a quiz, you want to talk to me, you want to watch a video, whatever. Um, but I know for some of these kids, like that's their, their safe place to just throw themselves into their schoolwork, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's hard to say like, just take it easy guys. But some kids need that. Like some kids are telling me like, I'm so stressed out and I'm so sad and I'm just this range of emotions. And for those kids, I'm like, that's cool. Go sit outside and drink some lemonade. Like it's okay. And then for other kids, they're like, what else can I do? What, you know, because they just, they need like that constant, that's their safe place. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that's really hard too. When you see all these things on social media about, you know, like we shouldn't be giving them any work and we should be, you know, there's kind of two extremes, you know? Um, and it's, so sometimes I feel like, Oh, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing by giving them work? And for some kids, I think it is the right thing. So. Yeah. And I, and, <laughs> and, and I have, and I have my seniors in, in to mix in that. And I feel, I feel yeah. so bad for my seniors. Cause like legitimately, my seniors, like there's some of them are, are doing great and they're right there, but some of them are genuinely mourning the end yeah. of their senior year because mm -hmm. like, and I, I totally relate. And I have, you know, I, I have a, a high school junior who's upstairs uh, who dates a high school senior. And like, I, 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 it's very close to my home to, to watch the emotions of like, juniors and seniors in high school not only do i go and spend my day with juniors and seniors in high school for most of my day i come home and i spend time with with kids you know 17 8 year old yeah. 18 year olds um in there um and you know it's kind of like i have a i have a really good appreciation of like seventh and eighth graders because i have a seventh grader and i coach yeah. seventh and eighth graders and like when you have those kids in there and you see a cohort that's similar to who you work with and you see them at home, you get a sense of those emotions in there. Yeah, um, the and, the yeah and as I said, yeah. some of my kids like like were like, the, the number of times I've gotten emails of you didn't put any place for me to submit this. Like I like it posted a practice something and then I didn't give them any place to practice it. And then they're just like emailing them to me. Like I've gotten, <laughs> I have an assignment for tomorrow that was just like practice that we're going to discuss in a Zoom meeting tomorrow. And I've had like 12 kids email me their answers. And I was like, yeah. this isn't due. Like, but, and I have other kids who haven't checked the doc. So yeah. like, that's the range. And I also know, like, I didn't make it due because I know some of my other kids have been struggling to do the things that we've been doing. And I'm trying to provide mm -hmm. that space that allows both the kids who want to move forward and need to move forward and, and have something tangible to do, but also not make it punitive for those kids who are 
are, right. are like dealing with the like I, as I said yesterday, in particular when they made the statewide announcement that schools weren't closing, I, the, I you could feel the you could feel the mood in some of the kids, like mm-hmm. like they they had been holding out hope to to get to that point. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, we've we're getting close to the end of the episode. So before we get to um, this, not, I I just realized that one of my last questions is when you're not teaching, what do you like to do? And the answer is not go anywhere. <laughs> so I don't know if we want to ask that question. But um, what are you, what are you looking forward to? Uh, you know, let's let's think forward. You know, 18 months from now, uh, when after the second and the third wave of COVID have done, and we're back to normal classrooms, what are you looking forward to in your classroom in the years to come? Yeah, so I, I can't wait to be back in my classroom. I'm yeah. <laughs> looking forward to that and not staring at screens all day. But um, I think what I one of my things that I really love is getting my students out in the community and bringing the community into my school. Um, and so at, at my last school, again, it was a very different school. It was very small. It was funded very differently. Um, and if you said, I want to go on a field trip, they said, okay, good. Um, and now this the school I'm in now is very different. We're, again, a uh, much smaller budget, and we don't have our own buses and all this and that. So um, that's something I'm really trying to work on, um, getting the kids out there and finding finding ways to fund that is really the biggest hurdle. But, um, you know, getting more field trips and after-school events and stuff like that and just really letting my kids kind of interact more with that world of science. Um, my bucket list, I would love to travel with students someday, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I love when you see these, these trips, like, oh, we're going to go to the Galapagos for 25 days. And like, I think my husband would have a stroke and die if I said, like, I'm going to just go to the Galapagos for 25 days. Can you take care of the kids? <laughs> you know? um, but, but that's something I, I would love to, to do is just increase that, getting them out there more and, um, you know, seeing all the stuff that, that real science is, right? That it's not just a textbook. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 if I can't go to the Galapagos without my wife, but that's just because she's a biologist. Um, <laughs> she'd be like, the kids can fend for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she would just like, why don't we just go as a family to oh, Galapagos? Right? I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, and so I will ask the dumbest question of the entire podcast, which is one you're not teaching. What do you like to do? Uh, maybe we should caveat this as to like let's assume that we could go th- places and do things. Yeah, uh, right. Um, so it, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I feel like teaching is my hobby. Like all the <laughs> stuff that I enjoy doing somehow ties into education. Like I like going to conferences, and I like <laughs> writing a teaching blog, and like you know talking to other teachers and whatever. But um, the you know outside of that um i I like reading science books and you know kind of popular science stuff um i like doing gardening and plants we've got a bunch of seeds you know with all these toilet paper rolls um so we're (laughs) we're growing seeds and all our toilet paper rolls downstairs in the kitchen and um you know i i do some photography i like cooking and stuff like that um and i've got two little kids so my my son is kind of you know, all things sports, but, uh, his year round and his, his passion, he's seven, he plays hockey. Um, you know, he's been saying since I think he could talk that he's going to be a hockey player when he grows up. So, um, I'm a hockey mom. We, you know, we do our seven, <laughs> I think it's when we were originally scheduling this, we were trying to work around like hockey, 7 games, hockey yeah. games and everything. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we keep busy with that, but all of that 
you know, kind of kid stuff has been put on hold. So actually it's been nice. I can <laughs> read my books and I'm cooking a lot and all of that. So that end of it really hasn't been too bad. Nice. All right. Well, before we get to picks of the episode, uh, do you have any questions for me? And you stealthily have hid them from me, so I, I don't know what's coming. So, <laughs> I, I made a couple questions because I wasn't quite sure where it would go. So um, I guess, you know, we were kind of just talking about traveling and going to the Galapagos and everything, but kind of going on that field trip. And like, if you could take your students anywhere, like what would be, or maybe a, a great field trip that you have taken them on, but what would be like the ideal, what would you love to, to do with your students? Yeah, and so this is a this is a little bittersweet, especially considering the circumstances of what we are. But I I actually have um, a sort of chaotic set of field trips I do with my AP students. Uh, we have a job shadowing project that we do with them normally. Um, I canceled it on. Um, March 9th of this year because um, I could see what was coming uh, but yeah. what we normally do with our seniors is that we actually send every single student who teaches AP biology out to do a minimum three hour job shadow with somebody who uses biology in their career um, and we have 125 students taking AP biology this year um, so it's a lot of kids and we group them yeah. together. So we send some groups out, um, or I should say, theoretically, we group them together and theoretically we send them out because we literally sent one group out of, of students out this year, uh, because yeah. we normally send them out between our February and our April breaks. Um, and it's just an amazing project. It is the biggest pain in the butt to organize. <laughs> sure. Um, it is colossal work. Uh, but I would say 90% of them are, and probably more than that, probably even closer to 95% of them are phenomenal experiences where the kids go out and people are so generous with their time. We have all of these amazing professors at, you know, Harvard and MIT and, and other local schools, Northeastern, um, Boston University, who volunteer their time, who bring kids into their lab, who talk about their projects, who have their grad students interact with our students, uh, who show them their research, who design hands-on things so that they can, you know, uh, put their hands on petri dishes and and you know manipulate plants and and do all sorts of stuff in the lab. We have biotech companies that invite students in um, and they do presentations and they show them the workspace and they talk about the work that they do. Uh, we have some you know, local dentists and doctor's office. We have the person who hosts the natural resources, um, the town natural resources in Acton. They, they, they basically, uh, this group of people, um, Mass Base, uh, Massachusetts Blood Bank, uh, the, the uh, Mass General Blood Bank, we have a um, a parent of some alumni who who comes in on Saturdays and hosts groups of students on Saturdays wow. and brings them through the facility. And we've just built this amazing community of adults who will, are willing to host our kids um, for, you know, half a day. And they bring them in. And uh, as I said, every year I tell them, you know, if you guys don't get anything out of this, I could stop doing this um, because it, it like kills me in January and February to do all the yeah. organization. Um, I have never been... Like I would say that like I I got came full to grips with what wishful thinking versus understanding science was like on March 9th because I had spent literally since the second week of January so two full months 
organizing all 125 students into job shadows. I had them all scheduled. I had all yeah. the kids planned. They were all ready to go. And on March 9th, I looked at the data. I looked at what was happening. And I said, we're, there's no way in hell that we're going to be able to send these kids out into the community. Right. I, like the schools are going to close. Schools are going to close. The universities are going to close. Things were, it was just about to happen. And I, I went to Brian. Right. And I was like, we have to cancel this. We need to get ahead of this and start doing it now if we don't. And two days later, I went to him. I was like, are you glad we canceled? And he was like, oh, yeah. Like, that was brilliant. Yeah. Like, it was so good we did it. But I'm so sad for my seniors and my right. juniors who didn't get to experience that. So that is the that is the field trip that I think is great. It's personal. It's sort of like what you were talking about with your scientists who get to do that. And then my kids come back and they they do presentations on their, their job shadow. So they get to share out. Oh. And so what I'll do is I'll send kids from different classes to different places and then they share them out amongst themselves and so if you can get it so that the kids have a personal experience that they get to share out um and you can tailor them and so i usually do i survey them and i say what kind of things do you want and some kids are like i don't care and some are like i would really love to talk to somebody who does who works in this field or in that yeah. and i can't match them up 100 percent, but i i do a pretty good job um getting them something that they think is going to be at least mildly interesting mm-hmm. um and and it's a it's just a it's my favorite field trippy thing that we do um and our kids are wonderful ambassadors for both our school and for their entire generation um, because people don't think much of teenagers until they get to spend four yeah. hours with my teenagers and they're they're right. amazing so you know what's, what's interesting you said about them having this personal experience with it I, I always think of when i think about field trips and stuff like that i wish i would have written the name down but i was in a session one time at a conference and someone was talking about research they had done in china with panda bears and she put up on the screen, no one fights for what they don't love. And I just, that has stuck in my head for some reason. It's, it's just like, if you, I can teach you about science in my classroom, but if I can get you out there and show it to you and they fall in love with it, then they're going to do it. You know what I mean? So it, I think there's so much to that, to just let them get out there and see it. And they, they're just, it gets them hooked so much differently than just doing it in the classroom. Yeah. And similar to what you were saying that a lot of the times these guys are going out and they're interacting with early 20 somethings and they get to, they can envision themselves in these places. And and it's just so valuable. Um, Absolutely. So I, that's, that's my favorite thing. All right. Well, we have come to picks of the episode. Aubrey, what is your pick? What do you want to share with the listeners? All right. So I kind of have a two parter, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it'll make sense. Um, I just want to recommend the book that I just am finishing reading. It's called The Death and Life of the Great Lakes by Dan Egan. Mm. Um, and it just came out, I think, a, two years ago, maybe. Um, but being, you know, I'm born and raised in the Midwest and, you know, vacationed on Lake Michigan and all of that. And it's um, really been very eye-opening for me. You know, we, we hear about all the stuff going on, with, you know, the pollution and the mussels and the Asian carp and all of this. Um, but to read about, so the book is broken up into three parts. It talks about kind of um, the the front door of the lake, so building that channels between the Great Lakes out to the Atlantic mm-hmm. Ocean and all the um, the ballast water and everything problems. <laughs> and then the back door where it talks about how they've completely changed the Mississippi River Basin. Uh, you know, and, and we hear, and being a Chicago girl, you know, we hear about how they reversed the river and what a great feat of engineering it was. <laughs> And then you start going, oh, maybe, maybe not so good environmentally. Um, and now, and then the last part is, you know, kind of on the future and how the lakes are changing and maybe evolving. And um, so it's just been really, really interesting uh, 
science and engineering and geography and just stuff I never knew before. Um, definitely gonna put it on my list for my students to read. Um, but going along with that, kind of, I just wanted to recommend um, the resource where I get a lot of my science books because I really love reading science books. Mm -hmm. um, there's a YouTube channel called Read Science, and um, it's actually hosted uh, by two scientists, but one of who is Joanne Manister, and um, she is a professor at the University of Illinois, and she was one of my graduate professors, um, and she's just, she, she also really loves science books, <laughs> um, but they do each episode, they bring on a different author, and they talk to them about the book and about their background, um, so I get a lot of my ideas for what books I want to read on that channel, but then also um, I share those with my students because I do a project where they have to pick a book, a science book to read, um, and we do a little bit of research on the author and we talk about credentials and, you know, journalists versus scientists and stuff like that. So um, that's, I send them there a lot of times to actually listen to the interviews with the authors, but oh. um, yeah, so that's just a channel, you know, if you're looking for some good science books to read, they've been around for quite a few years, so they've got a Ton of different episodes that is a very cool that's a very cool resource um all right well mine is uh an oldie but a goodie but also <laughs> a freebie um yeah. because we're in uh we're in a covid19 world and that is kahoot premium um which they are if you are doing distance learning uh you should be able to get yourself a, a free covid kahoot premium account uh, which allows you to do a couple of extra things um, that are beyond Kahoot. But one of the things I will say is that, you know, when we talk about these Zoom meetings, like there's nothing more boring than staring at a computer monitor for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. But um, I, I'm a, I have a mixed history with Kahoot. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Um, I feel like it's really good for like vocab and so like simple review. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't always love using and investing my class time. I want my kids to be hands on. I want them to be discussing things like that. But I will say that um, in this new world that we have, um, one of the most fun classes we've had was when we played Kahoot, where I did a screen share and I screen shared oh. my Kahoot. And I built a Kahoot that reviewed based off of the two activities that we had just done where they had worked independently. And I built a set of questions and then we played Kahoot where I did it through a screen share. And so they could use their phone or they could use the computer. And I shared the screen and they played it and they, and they had, a, and they had a, like the feedback was awesome. They thought it was great in there. So if you haven't done that and you're looking for a way of breaking up your, uh, your meetings, um, I highly recommend playing Kahoot on your Zoom, Google, Google Meets or whatever platform you're doing and do it through a screen share. And uh, kids definitely liked it. And because you can do premium, you can also uh, build in some extra stuff. You can also schedule Kahoot's so, or set up Kahoot's with they're not synchronous, they're asynchronous, and you can build a quiz out that you post up in your Google Classroom or you know via email or whatever, and then give the kids like time to work on them. And it will run sort of asynchronously and it will compile their scores and then you can review them when you come back together. So if you are not somebody who can get everyone in the room together, you can also do it asynchronously and do the same thing. So um, I went to a little actually webinar on Kahoot uh, like a week or so ago and checked out some of the premium features. And um, I thought it was like, yeah, this is not something that's always it's something I know about. It's in my bag of tricks, but not something I go to heavily. Yeah, that's I you know what? I never even thought of it. And it's so funny. All these tools, like you said, in the classroom, you know, one of my students the other day was talking about Pear Deck and I was like, yeah, 
didn't really like that in the classroom, but like now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all these things that we kind of haven't thought about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely got to expand that bag of tricks. So, well, Aubrey, this was a uh, this was great. Not only because it was like uh, you know talking to another adult um, who doesn't <laughs> live in my house. Um, that was always yeah. a, a joyous time at this time of day uh, or this yeah. time of year. Uh, but uh, also great stuff. I have like all these kind of, I got pages and I always take notes during these things. I got pages and notes here. So, so thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, this was great. Thank you so much for asking. All right. Let me give my show credits. Uh, so please subscribe to life at the school on your podcast player of choice. Um, you can, uh, go to patreon.com slash lots. Uh, I post up my show notes there. I also post up my audio and I post up audio early for my Patreon. So if you want to chip in a buck or two a month to offset costs of putting on a podcast, um, I would appreciate any dollars people want to throw at me. Music on this and every episode is provided by Jay Jenkins and X Magicians. Uh, you can go to show notes at lifeoftheschool.org in addition to my Patreon page. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Matthew Tweets or at Life of the School. I couldn't find you on Twitter. So my blog is on Twitter. Um, honestly, uh. I'm not very active there. Um, <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I, I, I did. But I'm on Facebook. Refusal to re refuse to reinvent the wheel is on Facebook. That's why I'm on Facebook. All right. So I would say go to your, and I did put the blog into uh, the show notes. So you can go to uh, there and then get to all of your social meds that way. So uh, thanks for joining me and I will talk to everybody soon.